This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today, you're listening to episode 53, and my guest is Lisa Chan. She is a occupational therapist for children. Her Instagram is kids underscore OT underscore hub, where she gives simple and practical and fun ideas for families. Uh, In this episode, we talk about some basic occupational therapy tactics that Lisa uses in her own practice. Um, She gives me some really good ideas. Hopefully, this will help you too. I, for the life of me, cannot get my kids to learn how to tie their shoes. So she gives some great tips for things like that. Just some great tips for things that as parents, we can be working on with our kids from a young age. Basic things that maybe you and I don't think about that once she mentioned them to me, I'm like, oh, yes, I should be doing that. So I hope this is helpful for you. I know I personally learned a lot in this episode. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Prevenex. If you are looking for a place to get your own multivitamins or your kids' multivitamins, also protein powder, man, I make smoothies with my kids every day and just pack in the nutrients using their protein powder, which has lots of vitamins and minerals in it, but I also pack like spinach and frozen fruit and bananas into the smoothie so they get this like nutrient-dense, delicious beverage every single day so that I know if all they ate was macaroni and cereal the rest of the day, I know at least this one meal, they were filled up with delicious, healthy goodness. And it's vegan as well. Our favorite in our house is the vanilla powder. They have a chocolate as well. Um, The kids' vitamins also, my kids really love the vitamins. Um, They have a give back program. So for every bottle you purchase, They donate a bottle to malnourished kids around the world who don't have access to vitamins like our kids do. Such a great company. I can't say enough great things about them. And you can even get on a subscription plan so these things just get delivered to your door and you don't slip up and forget to take your vitamins, which by the way, do work and do help with your energy and your kids' energy. Uh, Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code Lindsay15 to save 15% off your order. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-5 to save 15% off your order. Let me know what you think. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Lisa. Um, Okay, so today on the podcast, we have Lisa Chan on the show with Kids OT Hub. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you so much. Okay, so tell us a little bit about how you got into occupational uh, therapy for kids. So my journey into occupational therapy started about six years ago. So I graduated from um, Queen's University. It's in Kingston, Ontario. And so coming out of it, um, I actually started in geriatric health. So kind of the opposite of what I do now. Um, But I was doing that for about a year and I realized that I really do enjoy working with kids. So I made the switch over to pediatrics and um, I I just kind of 
got into the role, started learning more about child development and motor skills. And after about, I would say, two to three years, I just decided to start my own Instagram page. And I didn't really have big intentions for it. It was just kind of a small little side thing that I wanted to just post stuff that I knew. And it kind of just grew from there, um, especially with the pandemic that that hit us all. It was something where I had a lot of time on my hands that I could dedicate to creating more content. And I think uh, maybe a lot of parents were also searching for resources and also other therapists. So from that, it took off and just kind of grew to what it is today. So do you, is your full-time job doing online courses and things with Instagram in terms of occupational therapy, or do you also go into office? So right now my social media, my Instagram is only just like a part-time little side hustle thing that I do. My full-time is working um, in different companies where some part-time I go in person to a clinic. Other times I'm just doing virtual sessions with kids. Okay, so tell us, can you define what an occupational therapist even does? I think that people get confused with occupational therapist, physical therapist. What is it that you do? So yes, it's a question I get asked quite a lot. So there is such an overlap. And I think that's where the confusion lies between what physios do and what OTs do. I would say the best way to describe it is that we really look at the child first from a functional standpoint. So seeing how they're able to engage in their day-to-day activities and their school activities and what in particular um, their challenges are and then work on that. So for instance, I guess we're, we're pretty known for being like the handwriting teacher, which I try to um, explain to to people that we aren't just that, but that <laughs> to be the, the thing that, that helps people understand um, when OT is needed is when a child has difficulty with writing. Um, so we look at the fine motor aspect of that, but it can really expand to so many things because kids have to learn to do many things when, when they're developing, like how are they supposed to dress themselves? Do they have the fine motor skills to do up their own zippers? Can they open their own lunch boxes by themselves? Do they have enough hand strength? So we look at things from that lens of functionality. Um, and we also look into the social emotional piece of things where if kids have difficulties with managing their emotions, which really impacts their day-to-day ability to cope with the changes, transitions, we work on that self-regulation piece. Um, we can also work on executive functioning, which um, I think we'll get a little bit more into later what that is in particular, but um, just understanding when a kid has trouble with, let's say, their homework, is it because they struggle with their organization? Is it because they struggle with beginning the task without needing prompts from an adult? So how do we help support them in that way? So OT can be such a wide variety that it's really hard to give one definition of like, what do we do? Yeah, I think about... Um, those early doctor's appointments when they check and like, can they jump? Can they get up the stairs? Okay. And things like that. So I Mm -hmm. assume that that's a piece of it as well. Or do people go to physical therapy for that? So again, it could be both. It could really overlap. Um, So if the child has 
uh, challenges with these big gross motor skills like walking is a challenge where maybe they are um, not lifting their feet while they're walking, then that could be something maybe that physios might look more into. Um, but at the same time, something like you said with jumping, is that physio, is that OT? I would say it, it falls into both of our realms. So it just kind of depends on, I guess, who can provide the support uh, at that time. Maybe if there's that professional in in the industry that or in the clinic that where they had um, those tests done and finding out that they do have challenges with their jumping skills. If the physio is there, they might just work on it. But maybe if they find out there's other challenges with fine motor skills, then they might just get an OT to work on fine motor and jumping at the same time. So it, it ends up being like a collaborative approach to, to some of the challenges that kids have. Okay. Here's one thing that I'm so lazy about. My <laughs> nine-year-old still can't tie his shoes. And it's not about hand strength. It's about the fact that we butt heads. And like, <laughs> it is such a challenge to, because that's a frustrating thing to teach, right? And really, my second oldest, who's six, probably should be tying his shoes too now. I think that's a common struggle, though, that parents have. And there's like so many slip on shoes now. What are your tips for helping our kids learn to tie their shoes? So tying your shoes, there's just so many things to it. So if you know that it's not really a fine motor issue, it could be that the motor planning, because there's just so many steps involved with tying your shoe, and you have to keep track of which lace goes over which one, which one loops under and goes through, and which one, where do you pull? So there's a lot of steps, and maybe that could be the place where um, kids who have trouble tying, that that's the part where they need a little bit more support. So... Some tips on how to teach kids to tie shoes. Um, I guess this one seems obvious, but also might not be, is don't get them to practice while the shoe is on their foot. Mm. Get them to put it on the table because then it helps them with really seeing where it is and they're not struggling with keeping their foot up high while trying to do it. Um, Another thing is doing it with two different colored laces can help because the contrast can help you with guiding them versus saying if you let's say you had two black laces you'd be like well fold the black one over the other black one they have no idea which one which one we're talking about so you have two very different colors usually I practice with like orange and uh and blue then it's very clear which one we're we're trying to uh tell them to to put over the other well your work here is done I mean, <laughs> I mean, that is that is actually so helpful. I never thought to do either of those things. Nine years into parenting, I would have never thought to do that. So thank you for that. Sometimes the, the tips are so obvious. Yeah. But we don't think about it because who thinks about tying their shoes every day? I know. And I keep putting it off too because it's frustrating. I'm like, ah, you know, that's one of the things that I'm sure you run into a lot is like as a parent. I mean, I think one of my biggest struggles is I'm like, I'll just do it because I can do it faster, quicker, better. I know that's terrible to say, but you know what I mean? Like I can just get it done. And um, sometimes we just need to let it take longer and let them figure it out. Mm, Right. I think that's, I mean, I'm not a parent myself, so I can't fully um, put myself in your shoes. But I think that, I mean, I work with kids all the time and 
I do understand that feeling of just wanting to jump in and do it. Um, but I think that's part of their learning processes, letting them learn, letting them try. And um, a part of that journey is, is to fail a few times so that they get it and then they can start being more independent. So um, I'm sure I'll learn this as a parent that you got to kind of take that step back and, and try not to jump in um, all the time. But of course, depending on your schedule, if you're trying to run out the door to do something important, sometimes you just got to tie the shoe for them. I know that's one of the things somebody was just recommending and I don't remember what it's called. So it's frustrating that I'm even bringing it up, but I'll, I will link it in the show notes. Um, a book about like not hurrying. I forget what it's called, but it's a whole book about how like we've lived in this culture of like hurry, hurry, get to the next thing. And I think that we are so overscheduled in our culture with so many sports and activities and things to do that we're constantly hurrying. And so therefore things like tying shoes and like basic skills that take us four seconds and that take our kids four minutes, four minutes feels like a really long time when you're trying to rush out the door. And so I think that's just like something to be aware of as a parent of young kids is like, Sometimes hurrying will just stress everybody out and it also won't lead to that learning experience that they just need. They need that repetitive experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I, I do agree with that we live in a very fast paced world and we feel like we as adults are trying to keep up with it, but then we're also kind of dragging our kids on the same um, speed level as us, which is I don't think it's that natural. I think, yeah. Looking back at my childhood, I felt like life was a, lo- a little bit slower, at least, maybe yeah. with uh, less tech and less. Just, uh, yeah, I, I think just like the nature of of our lives back then were just a little bit more calmer and slow. So, I know I actually found myself doing this this morning because I had to switch out some shoes a couple times because. It wasn't even about time. These kids were wearing Velcro shoes as my little kids. And I'm like, I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to, you know, and it's like, he doesn't get that. And also he doesn't care. Like his concept of time. He doesn't know that the drop, he knows drop off is at 910, but it's 904 and I'm trying to get there. He doesn't like that whole concept does not matter to his feelings on rushing to put his shoes on, you know? Hey everybody, a quick break here to let you know we're part of the Sandy Boy Productions Network. So make sure you're following Sandy Boy Productions on Instagram to learn more about all the other shows in the network. One of the podcasts I host, I'll have another. Um, I interview professional and everyday runners. I'm going to actually be going down to Jacksonville, Florida for the Donna Marathon weekend. If you are looking to sign up for a 5K, a half marathon, or a marathon, We are 18 weeks out from that race, and it is a beautiful race that supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people walking through a breast cancer diagnosis, also funds groundbreaking research. I would love to meet you. I'm having a big meetup down there. I would love to meet you and get to know you. So if that is a bucket list goal for you, get signed up for that race. I actually also offer coaching services. So if you've never run a half marathon or a marathon, Um, I have training plans that are pre-designed on my website, lindsayhine.com, but I also coach clients. So I'd love to work with you. 
Uh, go to breastcancermarathon.com if you want to sign up for that race. You can use the code Lindsay10 and that will save you 10% off any of your entries to any of their races. I am so looking forward to that weekend. We're actually taking our whole family down there. My kids are going. It's going to be so fun and we're going to have a meetup and I would love to meet you. Think about it. Put it on your calendar. It's going to be fun. Okay, back to the show. Um, okay, let's talk about those executive fun- functioning skills you mentioned. What What is that? What I don't know anything about it. So our executive functioning skills, they're the ones that help us manage our day-to-day activities. So um, I guess the best way to put it is looking at what this could look like for a kid. Um, if, let's say, your child has a really hard time getting their homework done. They're just, they always forget. They misplace it. It's uh, ends up being like this crumpled up ball at the bottom of their backpack. Well, that could be related to their executive functioning skills. And that breaks down into um, about 12 different subsets. So it could be organization is a challenge where they have a really hard time putting them in categories in their head of, oh, I have science homework that's due on Tuesday. I have math homework that I need to do, which is page pages four to 10. And so being able to organize that in their head is really difficult. Planning and prioritization. Maybe they just have a hard time figuring out which thing I should do first. Should I get my math work done because it's due tomorrow? Or should I do my science one, which is due at the end of the week? But that one is easier to do. So I'm going to go do that first. And then you end up not, they end up not getting their math stuff done. So, I mean, this is a lot of stuff that even us as adults, I think we face on a day-to-day. I was just thinking that. I was like, man, <laughs> I struggle managing that. Yeah. So, I mean, we can look at ourselves first to understand what executive skills are. And um, it kind of aligns with, you know, where we are in life. Um, I'm sure even like with your podcast, you have a lot of organizing to do. You got a lot of prioritizing to do. Um, you got to know how to initiate certain tasks if they're not laid out for you. So things like that. But if we look at it from a kid's lens, what are the things that they have to be doing in school? Well, that could be arranged from getting their schoolwork done to back uh, packing their backpack at the end of the day. So there's so many um, parts of within like their cognition and how they, they organize and remember things that um, impact how they're able to execute and finish a task. So how do we work on that, those functions as a parent? The way I would approach it is really looking at what in particular does your child struggle with? Because executive functioning, I wouldn't say that there's this, um, you know, formula to follow and then suddenly your kid just has better executive functioning skills. I think it's a very generic term. I look at it as, okay, if my child has trouble with remembering to pack their lunch, well, why? And really questioning the why each time, like what? Why are they forgetting? Is it because that the backpack is out of uh, the lunch bag is out of sight and they just can't remember? So their memory recall, they struggle with that. Okay, so let's work on that. What can we do to for them to remember? Maybe we need to put it in a place where it's right in front of their face, or we have a visual card that's positioned right by the door, so they see that before I walk out the door, I need to make sure I have my lunch bag and I have my backpack and my homework so um 
there, yeah, there are many different strategies. And actually, um, this is something I'm currently work on. So I guess I'll kind of plug in a little thing about what Kids of T-Hub is um, working on right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to focus on executive functioning because I get a lot of parents and therapists actually reach out to me through Instagram asking me these questions about, you know, my kid has this trouble, what do I do? Um, I, I know it's related to their executive functioning. So I'm trying to create an ebook right now that kind of breaks down each subset. Um, I, I think I only mentioned maybe like three just now, but organization and prioritization, but there's actually so many other subsets to it. So I want, uh, I'm going to be kind of putting a little descriptor about what it is, how you can, like, what are the signs that kind of, that show that your child is struggling with this? What are some activities that you could do together that builds on that um, part of executive functioning? And um, little tips that can be brought into your day-to-day that can help support those challenges. Um, when do you expect that ebook to be out? I don't have a deadline, but I guess now that I've said it out loud. <laughs> on the- <laughs> Accountability. <laughs> yes. Yes. So now that I have a little bit, a little bit of accountability on me, I, I should set a deadline. Um, so I'm hoping by the end of this year. Okay. End of 2020 is, is my ultimate goal to have it out and have um, it available for parents therapists who who need this so um and just so you guys listening her instagram is kids underscore ot underscore hub and she's got all kinds of like um graphics do you make your own graphics i do so the pictures themselves i don't i get them from a website Uh but the way piece together i do organize it um, I don't know so. how you do that because I know there's other accounts like that. Like Mom Brain Therapist, she was her name's Bryce Reddy, and she was episode twelve, December twenty twenty, and we talked about temper tools for parents. And she has her account is similar to yours in as far as like aesthetics go. And I always wondered, I'm like, how do you guys put all that together? It seems like a lot of work. It can be, yes, <laughs> um, but at the same time. Um, because I have the, the actual, I guess you'd call them stock images or whatever uh-huh. the little cons are like they're already done. It's not like I'm drawing each individual in myself. Um, but yeah, like trying to put the ideas together and trying to make it concise. Like that, that tends to be my, um, go to theme is making it as simple mm-hmm. and short as possible. So that can take some time to get that messaging across. Um, like coming up with it and then putting it down so that it comes off that way. But I mean, I enjoy it. I think that's kind of how my brain works too. Like I, I try to like simplify very complicated con- concepts so that it's easy to understand and remember. Yeah. Um, okay. One of the things I wanted to talk about is heavy work. Somebody that, um, somebody that I'm friends with from Instagram brought this up to me because I I always talk about my kids are very high energy. I know like most kids are and they wrestle all the time and I just there's lots of destruction going on and she mentioned hey my OT suggested heavy work and so she has her kids like flipping big tires in their backyard and I'm just curious if you can explain the importance of that, what it does for kids and how we can implement it. Heavy work. Um, it's, 
it actually helps to, first of all, expend energy. That's one big thing. So if your kids are high energy, you want them to release the, all of that um, out there. That way, because a lot of them kind of have that pent up energy. They're in school all day having to sit at a desk. They need to release it. So that's one good thing. Um, but heavy work can also be great for giving their bodies that proprioception input, which is um, which allows their their muscles and their joints to understand like where things are in space. So if the more heavy work that they do, the more that their bodies are understanding that, oh, this is how much force I need to lift and flip over the tires. Um, it can also be very calming. So for a lot of kids where they are high energy, that deep, that deep heavy pull from gravity can actually be very grounding and calming for them. So how you can get your kids to do that? Well, if you've got spare tires, <laughs> sure, you can throw that on the lawn and get them to flip it over. Um, but there's some other things you can do that maybe aren't so, um, that involves such heavy, heavy things that you'd have to kind of leave on your lawn. Um, you can get them to do wheelbarrow walks that can be done inside, outside. Um, you can get them to help you just carry your grocery bags inside, as simple as that sounds and carry the laundry um, bin to and from the laundry room. So a lot of these things, they, they don't require extensive equipment. It really is just a daily house chores. If you get your kids involved in that, there's a lot of heavy work that's involved. Mopping the floor, floor or, um, you know, using a, like a sniffer, trying to scrub something. That is actually also heavy work as well. So, and at school, um, the, if, if let's say the teacher starts to notice that, you know, this particular student, high energy, has a hard time focusing, sitting still, get them involved, give them a role of being the person that helps carry out the garbage every every day at the end of the day. Get them to be the ones that help stack all the chairs. That's all heavy work. So there's a lot of ways to incorporate it. You know, I wonder as a parent, I always feel like, I don't want to give the teacher too much input because I don't want to overstep. Like they have a job to do and they have 20 some kids to take care of. But if I know that, that my particular child needs that, I wonder, like, do you think it's appropriate to reach out to the teacher and say, Hey, just so you know, like if you're having issues with this, this might be an idea or is that overstepping their job? I never know how to handle those kinds of things. I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time, I think I would kind of phrase it as, well, you know what? This can also help your day out. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I never want to be, you know, I'm like, my kid is just one kid of, of 20 that you're dealing with. But right, like, if you do have a child that, you know, struggles with that kind of thing, and obviously you want the teacher to have the smoothest time possible with your child. Exactly. So I think that... It really depends. I know it depends. Some teachers have certain structures in their in their classrooms, and um, they may not want certain um, kind of outside input that may kind of disrupt that system. And I fully understand that because maybe that fully works for them. Um, but if you notice that the teacher is open, I don't see why uh, not to advocate for your child and what they need for. Um, to get that proprioceptive or like heavy work kind of input throughout their day. I think that, I, I, I mean, if 
you as a parent notice that this is what something something your child's going to need. I'm sure the teacher also notices that this child needs something. And if you have the solution, why not share it to them and see if it's possible for the, for the teacher to implement it in the classroom. And maybe propose it in a way where um, it's not going to add more work to their schedule. And it can actually be something that's going to help them. So if if it is to recommend to the teacher that, oh, you know what, my my child is going to help with stacking the chairs. Well, hey, that's great. You don't, teacher doesn't have to do it at the end of the day. So it kind of, it's a win-win system in, in that sense. Yeah, I like that. You know, because I was just thinking about this for preschool, you know, we always fill out forms that they ask the question, like, is there anything about your child that you, you know, you want to share? And I don't remember filling that out for my big kids in their elementary school, but maybe I, I might have just missed that paperwork. It's kind of mom I am sometimes. <laughs> um, but I think that's the kind, that's the, the probably a good place to put that in. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, you might see issues with him sitting, uh, you know, sitting still well or whatever. And you could kind of say, I noticed that at home, if we do this, it helps. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about breathing a little bit and how we can implement like breathing strategies to uh, I think the word you used earlier was like when you're doing the heavy work it's grounding you but we can also use breathing exercises to ground our kids when they might be struggling with something yes so breath work is something that is so important I think this goes from the time you're a child all the way up into your adulthood because if you don't have proper control of your breathing that can lead to so many other things. And so from the perspective of a child, if let's say they are having a really tough day and they're they're getting to a point where they're starting to lose control of their emotions, they're starting to get anxious about something or frustrated about something, their breath work might start to shorten. That's typically what we do if we're starting to feel a little bit anxious. So teaching them how to do deep breathing exercises. And I've been doing this a lot with a lot of my patients where um, I teach them how to deep breathe. And for a young child, it is hard to um, coach them because they don't fully have um, you know, the awareness of what their mouths are doing, what their noses are doing. Actually, a lot of the times with the really little kids, like you're still trying to work on, where's my nose, uh-huh. where's my mouth, right? So um, trying to teach them can be a a bit challenging. So using a visual can be a really good tool. Um, So one that I like to use with little kids is actually just playing with bubbles because they see that the bubble is expanding as they blow it softly. Because a lot of times you might see a kid go, um, like try to breathe really quickly and they're not actually blowing out hard enough and they're not actually breathing in deep enough so if you have that visual where they can see the bubble, it can help them learn to pace themselves and, and eventually learn to deep breathe. Um, with older kids, where it might be more related to just like a bit of anxiety or stress, just being in the school setting, I like to teach them a five-finger breathing method because they can bring it wherever they go. So I teach them, put your hand up, five fingers open, and you pretend you're blowing it out like it's your birthday. Take a deep breath in and you blow it out and one finger goes down take another deep breath in blow it out and the next finger goes down until all of them are are gone I love that visual that visual effect I think that that's super helpful 
Um, I was just thinking of a business idea for you. You should have like, I, sh- I, sh- I was just talking about how I don't like it when people say you should do this. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, what if she had little like print shop where you had all these like visual type things? Like, you know, when we were talking about the lunch bag and things like that, where parents could just mm-hmm. print off from your shop certain visual cues that, um, you know, their kids might need. Anyway, take it or leave it. <laughs> hey, that, that's, a, that's a good tip. I think um, I was thinking about that for my ebook, but now I think you've confirmed that, that that's a good idea. So I will be keeping that in there with the uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. printables. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know how um, when you go on Etsy to like search for signs or anything like that, there's tons of shops just have printables for like five bucks, you know, and because I always struggle with you. Know, uh, the person I interviewed yesterday was talking about her sticker chart and like how her kids check off their stuff on their morning routine. And I'm like, I can never get myself to make charts like that, but I need a place to go to just print them. And I, I still don't do it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think that I don't know. I, my parents are in town. And as soon as they walk into my house, they tell me all the things I should do. And so as soon as that went spilling out of my mouth, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm my parents. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, Okay. Lastly, before we wrap up, let's talk about focusing on our children's strengths and how... Um, you know, I actually saw one of the pictures that you posted and I think it was a quote from Deepak Chopra and it was like, which by the way, if people have been listening to this podcast for a while, um, Deepak Chopra's book, the seven spiritual laws of parenting is one of the books that I highly, highly recommend. So when I saw this quote was from him, I was like, Oh, it's gold automatically. It's gold. Um, but he said something along the lines of like, if my child was excelling in tennis but struggling in math I might consider getting him tennis lessons so that he can really work on what he enjoys and is good at so let's talk about that a little bit and how um, focusing on the strengths can be a really positive thing yeah I love this topic I think that it's so important to come from a perspective of a strength-based approach and I think that really harnessing on your the child's um, strengths, what they're good at, can help them to develop in other areas where they struggle. Because um, really just focusing on the things that they are weakest at, um, you know, that can be a bit discouraging for them. And it is hard for them. A lot of these kids that, at least that I see, like they do have um, challenges that, that make it really hard for them to function in day-to-day things that maybe your average kid might be good at. And we all have things that we're really great at and other things that we struggle with. And if we're always just focused on those weaker points about us, that can be um, something that affects our self-esteem. So really focusing on the strength, I think, is so important. Um, And like what Deepak Chopra was saying, like, if your kid is good at tennis, why not harness that, right? They can be a star tennis player. They don't have to be good at math to be a, a tennis player. Um, you don't have to be good at tying your shoes to be a tennis player. You can have someone tie your shoe for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, but speaking of the tying the shoes, I am going to try those 
techniques. I mean, that is gold. And I, like you said, it's like so simple, but I never thought of it. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. These tips, I mean, a lot of the, the tips that I, I put on kids of tea hub, um, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, Oh, should, should I share this? Like, is it, am I providing any kind of value? But at the end of the day, these little things make such a difference. It doesn't have to be some complicated strategy that's going to take you an hour to prep to get your kid to do something. Like the simpler things are actually the things that work the best because you're actually going to do it. You're exactly. Gonna... <laughs> like the longer it takes to set up, the less likely anyone's going to do anything. That's so, so the truth. Um, that's why I need to stop obsessing over like the perfect sticker chart and just like write it down on a piece of construction paper and see if we can check that those boxes. Marker paper. That's it. Just draw it out freehand. Nothing fancy. I think that we all struggle with that a little bit, like wondering if what we're putting out into the world like is helping anybody or even matters. I mean, that was one of my biggest things with this podcast starting a second show. It was like, I don't just want to like put out more noise in the world. Like I want it to be meaningful and helpful. And, you know, sometimes the simplest thing, I say the simplest things and I, or I'll tweet something and I'm like, to me, it feels like I needed to, to feel that and hear that. So maybe somebody else did. But at the same time, you're also questioning yourself, like, was this dumb? Like, does anybody care? You know? For sure. I feel that same thing too. But I think, um, after putting out these tips and getting the feedback that I've been getting from parents, I realized that that there are many parents that do want this information. And that's what pushes me to continue doing it, even though I have sometimes that little voice in the back of my head being like, really? People really want to hear this? It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of silly. But no, it is, it is helpful. Yeah, you know... What I like to say is somebody, somebody needed to hear that today. And I'm talking about like, or see that today with your Instagram. It's like, maybe not everybody, but somebody needed to hear that today or see that today. And so I think if we can harness that, it'll make it everything feel more purposeful. For sure. Um, okay. What's one thing professionally or personally that you would like to do that you haven't done yet? Ooh, good question. Well, I guess, oh, I would actually really like to create an online course. Yeah. This has been um, on the back of my mind for quite some time, but I guess I haven't had the courage to do it. Kind of this the same feeling of like, like oh, am I saying something that's just like not helpful? Yeah. <laughs> do people even want to hear what I have to say? So, um, but yeah, that's something I think I would really want to try to pursue at some point, maybe after I publish my ebook. So yeah, that's awesome. Take a look. <laughs> um, have you heard of Amy Porterfield? No, I haven't. Okay. She is like the online course master and she teaches people how to uh, do like really awesome launches and things like that. She has a free podcast. So like a lot of her courses obviously cost money, but um, I think you can learn a lot from her as far as like the online space and courses and stuff um, just from her podcast alone. I I haven't listened in a while, but I used to listen all the time right when I was kind of starting my podcast and things like that. Oh, awesome. 
Okay, I will be checking her out. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Stillness is Key by, what is his name? R- Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that's good. I haven't read it myself, though. It's uh, very much needed, especially during these times. These hurried times that we were talking about. <laughs> exactly. We all need to take moments of silence. Just be still. Do you have a kid's book or like an occupational therapy type book that you recommend for kids or parents? For parents, I would say Smart But Scattered by Peg Dawson. If you're looking for more information about executive functioning, it's very insightful, um, really helps. It's put in, in terms that is easy for parents to understand. Um, so I would recommend that. And for kids, there is a book on Epic Books, epicbooks.com. Okay. And it's called Zach Gets Frustrated. And I found this so, so helpful to teach kids, especially the kids that have, uh, that struggle with self-regulation. And they just kind of go from zero to a hundred really quick. They just get um, frustrated by little things, little small problems, and they can't seem to kind of get themselves and recollect themselves to focus back on their tasks. So I thought that book was really, really good. It has some really good concepts and visuals that I think it's it's good for, I would say, um, maybe grade grade two and above, grade one and above-ish. Okay. Um, yes, I became very familiar with Epic Books last year during the pandemic when my kids were doing school from home, which is a great, great resource. It is, yeah. Um, okay, Lisa, well, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Get outside, play. Um, there's so many opportunities for your kids to learn, um, not just I mean, in school, of course, but there's lots of opportunities to learn just by being in nature and by free playing. So encourage that more. I love that. I I would shout that from the rooftops. Free yeah. play all day. Yep. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you, Lindsay. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Lisa, for coming on the show. Uh, you can learn more about Lisa on Instagram. She is kids underscore OT hub H U B over there. You can find me personally on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626, as well as our Instagram page for this podcast. Why is everyone yelling? We are part of the Sandy boy productions podcast network. So give that a follow too. We'd love to connect with you there. Uh, I want to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. Seriously, get on their vitamins. They are so sound. That company is a sound company. I believe in it. Their vitamins work. They're clinically effective. Vitamins for adults and kids. Go to Prevenex.com. Use the code Lindsay15 to save 15%. And also, go meet me down in Jacksonville, Florida in February for the Donna Marathon weekend. Breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay10. I will see you there. We're having a meetup. It's going to be great. If you need help with a half marathon or marathon training plan, I have those on my website, lindsayhine.com. 
I would love to help you out with getting to that race if this is a new big goal for you. All right, friends. Uh, if you need anything from me, send me an email, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. I'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram, why is everyone yelling? Have a wonderful weekend, and I will see you next week on the show.